Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Let's do this. Good morning. You are listening to Writer Than You live on CBS Sports Radio. My name is Carrington Harrison. Very happy to be filling in for my guy, Bill Ryder today. I'm coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or simply refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. For all your home loan solutions that fit your life, remember that Rocket Mortgage can. We have a lot to get into over the course of the next couple of hours. Appreciate you listening. We have two preseasons to game today. Thomas's Giants take on the New England Patriots. Mac Jones is not going to play in today's game. That's probably for the best. Also, we have the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Tennessee Titans. You got to throw the records out when those two teams play. So there's a lot to get into today in the world of sports, but you know what? The thing I am most looking forward to today is not preseason football. It's not the Little League World Series. I am looking forward to the Field of Dreams game. It is back. Yester, last year's Field of Dreams game was magnificent. The Yankees, the White Sox, a walk-off home run for Tim Anderson, a late home run from Aaron Judge. It was really a thing of dreams, no pun intended. It was magnificent. Baseball's got me excited today. I can't wait to get off. I go home today, 615 Central, Cubs and Reds. There'd be no other scenario in which I would randomly watch the Cubs and Reds on a Thursday, but I'm watching tonight because I want to see the field of dreams. Where I'd like to start today's show is a little bit different here, and I want to give you five sports movie facts. Sometimes I come on here and I give you guys opinions, and I'm honored to share my sports thoughts and opinions with you. What I'm about to give you are five sports movie facts. These are undeniable. There's no room for disagreement. These are locked in. Number one fact, Rocky Three is better than Rocky Four. Let's really examine Rocky Four. Now, I want you to really think about this when it comes to Rocky Four. There is absolutely no proof. That Apollo Creed was good. Think about our understanding of Apollo Creed in the first four Rocky movies before he, you know, dies in the ring. First movie. He's supposed to be big, bad, heavyweight champion of the world. He's supposed to be Lennox Lewis. He's supposed to be Evander Holyfield. You're telling me that you had to go to the scorecard for this club fighter, Rocky Balboa? This guy we've never heard of? This guy that you basically picked out of a phone book? 
he could take the heavyweight champion of the world to his absolute brink, to his absolute limits, and it was a split decision? That's your king? Rocky two, he loses. Rocky three, he's retired. He's a coach. Rocky four, he dies in the second round. The fight really should have been stopped after round one because he was getting his ass whooped. But they let him go back out there, and then he died. There's no proof Apollo is good. Rocky Four is just a series of training montages. Don't get me wrong. They get you hype. They get you excited. It is not a great movie. And I love the Rocky series, my favorite movie series. Rocky Three is a better movie than Rocky Four. Clubber Lang disrespects Adrian. It gets Rocky all hot and bothered. Mick dies. He has to overcome it. He has to learn to find the eye of the tiger. Hulk Hogan is in Rocky Three. How dare you put Rocky Four ahead of Rocky Three? This is a sports fact. Rocky Three is better than Rocky Four. I don't trust anybody's rankings that has Rocky Four number one. I move on. Number two sports fact today. We're celebrating the Field of Dreams game later tonight on Fox. Hoosiers is overrated. I'm sure some of you love Hoosiers. Hoosiers is for people who didn't play on senior night. If you didn't get a chance to suit up for senior day, but you were on the team, you probably love Hoosiers. It's a very mediocre, predictable movie. If you if you have children, let's say your son's eight or nine, and he's never seen Hoosiers today, watch the first 15 minutes of Hoosiers, pause it, and ask him what's going to happen. And I guarantee you he can tell you what's going to happen. It's no suspense. It's no drama. That kid that makes the two free throws near the end of the movie airballs both of them in real life. Hoosiers, overrated. It's a movie for tryhards. It's a movie for people who didn't get off the bench on senior day. Hoosiers, overrated. Sports movie fact. Number three. Now, Thomas, you might disagree with this, but again, these are facts. They're not opinions. Mighty Ducks 2, better than Mighty Ducks 1. I don't know why they let Gordon Bombay coach those kids. I don't know if he had those kids' well-being in mind. In the very beginning of Mighty Ducks 1, he drives the limo on the ice. Health hazard. He doesn't want to coach those kids. He's coaching those kids as a punishment for a DUI. That's the kind of role model we want. Take it one step further. He's teaching the kids bad sportsmanship. Telling them to take dives. Hold your eye. Mighty Ducks 1 is not a movie to emulate. Mighty Ducks 2, a movie to emulate. They step up in competition. They're playing real teams. The knuckle puck gets introduced. Keenan Thompson. Mighty Ducks 2, better than Mighty Ducks 1. Mighty Ducks 1, bad example for children. I can't believe they let us watch that when we were younger. Mighty Ducks 2, far superior movie to Mighty Ducks 1. These are sports movies. Facts. Number four, Gloria was wrong for leaving Billy the way she did in White Men Can't Jump. The only reason she was on that game show is because of Billy. She had to let Billy play one more time for Sydney. 
He owed Sydney. You can't go against your word. If it wasn't for Sydney, you would have never had Gloria back in the very beginning. Women tell you to be honest. He shouldn't even have told her. He just should have went off plate and then came back. But no, he's trying to be up front, trying to be honest with her. What did it get him? Alone. Left. Can't be honest. Gloria was wrong for the way she did my man Billy and white men can't jump. That's not somebody we should celebrate. She did Billy wrong. She could have stayed, stuck it out. This was the last game. You know how you were at the casino and you say, all right, I'm going to play one more hand. He was serious, though. He was only playing as a favor to Sydney. And she's got to understand that. But no, she's too selfish. Sports movie facts. And last one here, Thomas, because I do want you to chime in with your own sports movie fact. I'm here to stand up for Major League Two. Major League Two is not a bad movie. It's not a great movie. It's not as good as the first one. But Major League Two gets a bad rap. Major League Two is fun. You got Rube, the catcher, who can't throw the ball back to the pitcher. You've got the, you have no, you have no marbles. That scene, the transformation of Wild Thing, Parkman, Roger Dorn's character. Major League Two gets a bad rap here. Major League Two is not bad. It is a fun movie. I've got a pretty simple philosophy when it comes to bad movies. If it's going to be bad, at least be fun. Major League Two is fun. I much rather watch the first one. But if I'm flipping through the channels and I turn on TNT and Major League Two is on, I'll stop. I'll watch it till commercial break. I might even stick around and watch one more sequence of the movie after the commercial break. These are my five sports movie facts. Number one, Rocky Three is far superior to Rocky Four. Number two, Hoosiers, incredibly overrated. It's a movie for tryhards. Third fact, Mighty Ducks 2, much better than Mighty Ducks 1, and I don't even know if we should be allowing kids to watch Mighty Duck 1. It's a lot of bad influences in that movie. Gloria knows she was wrong for how she did Billy. She's a villain. She's the real villain of the movie, Gloria. She left Billy at every single turn. She's supposed to stand by Billy, be his rock, be his peace, his foundation. She was flighty the whole movie. And the last sports fact, Major League Two is not bad. Major League Two is fun and an enjoyable watch. So tonight on your in your free time, you know what you should pull up? Major League Two. Have a laugh. It's a great movie. Thomas, do you have any sports facts, sports movie facts that you would like to share with the people today on this fine Thursday morning? Well, good morning, Carrington. And of your five sports facts, three of them right away jump off the page to me. We'll go... We'll start with this one here. Hoosiers, I'll take it one step further. Hoosiers is not only overrated, it's a bad movie. It's not Oh man. It's not fun. And I am so with you. It is so predictable. Major League Two, it gets it gets a bad rap because of how good Major League was. Major League Two is a funny movie. You will laugh throughout that movie. Is it as funny as the first one? 
No, but that happens a lot with sequels. They're usually not as good. It's a fine movie. It's a good movie. Here's my beef with you, Carrington. D2, Mighty Ducks, is the worst of the trilogy. I don't know what you're talking about here. Oh, my goodness. You're putting Mighty Ducks 3 over Mighty Ducks 2. That's what you're doing this morning. D3 is the best one. It's absolutely the best one of the trilogy. You need the original Mighty Ducks to set up the story. It's a little slow in the beginning. You need it. You wouldn't have D2 being, in your opinion, as good as it was without D1. You need that setup of the storyline. Mighty Ducks 1 is a bad example for kids. Like, really think about Gordon Bombay's character. When we first meet him, he's getting a DUI. His punishment now is that he has to be in charge of children. He drives the limo on the ice, health risk. He's teaching the kids bad habits. He's trying to hit on one of the player's moms. There's just a lot going on in Mighty Ducks 1. It show, I don't, it I don't know if Gordon Bombay should be in charge of children. <laughs> in the beginning, no. Absolutely not. But you see that progression of his character, and that's what makes D1 the best one. And then when you really think about it, at the end of Mighty Ducks 1, he couldn't wait to get rid of him. The moment he had a little <laughs> minor league hockey success with children, he couldn't wait to leave. He couldn't wait to leave. <laughs> Gordon Bombay is a terrible example for children. Don't teach your kids to be like Gordon Bombay. I'm telling you that he is the worst. We'll take your phone calls on this, 855-212-4227. We want to hear some of your sports movie facts today. We're talking about this because today is the Field of Dreams game on Fox. I gave you my f- five sports movie facts. Rocky Three is better than Rocky Four. Hoosiers is overrated. Mighty Ducks 2 is the best one in the series. Gloria was wrong for how she did Billy. And Major League 2 is not a bad movie. In fact, it is a very fun, enjoyable movie that I would encourage everybody to watch. We'll take your sports movie facts coming up on the other side. And there's actually one cool thing about the Field of Dreams game that I want to talk about. That's all coming up live on CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever. Or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Good morning. You are listening to Writer Than You. My name is Karen Harrison. It is an honor and a privilege to be here with you on this fine Thursday. We have two NFL games today. 
The first one is between the New York Giants and the New England Patriots. The second one is between the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. The Giants and Patriots you can catch nationally on NFL Network. I want to get to baseball here coming up momentarily, but I want to share some breaking news that happened during the commercial break. Tom Brady is not at practice today for personal non-football reasons. Coach Todd Bowles will discuss it after practice, but it is the understanding of Ian Rappaport that Brady will not be present at training camp for at least a few days. He then goes on to say, Tom Brady is fine and the team is on board with his reasons for being absent, but it will be a little bit before he gets back. So unsure of what is going on with Tom Brady, all the information I have is the information that I just read. Hopefully it's not too serious. Hopefully it's not a family matter regarding Tom Brady, but he will not be at Bucks training camp for the next couple of days. And we will get an update on why Brady is not there coming up in a bit. This is just pure speculation on my part. Me just wondering, I wonder if it has anything to do with Fox. Brady already has another job lined up. The team knows this. Everybody knows this. I wonder if Brady is gone for a couple of days because he has some Fox obligation to take care of. The team is certainly fine with it at this point. I don't really know how much off-season work Tom Brady needs, and he'll be back in a couple of days and ready to go back to work for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, I have absolutely no clue. It could be a family matter. I, have, I, don't, I do not know, but I wonder if that's the case with Brady. The fact that Brady just is leaving in the middle of training camp, that's very abnormal for Tom Brady in his career. So I wonder what it could possibly be. And I wonder if it has anything to do about his career after his career. Speaking of Tom Brady, we'll get to this momentarily before we talk a little bit about baseball and the field of dreams game coming up later tonight. It doesn't matter what Tua does. There is always going to be another quarterback cloud that is over him. Think about the year that he got drafted. And there was a debate between he and Justin Herbert. I think that question has been answered. Justin Herbert is one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. Think about all the conversation about Deshaun Watson and how many conversations we had going back and forth about all the Dolphins going to make this. And basically every two weeks last year, Brian Flores had to answer for if there were interests in Deshaun Watson. And I very much think that the Dolphins were one of the teams that contacted the Texans and made a significant offer to try to go get the former Texans quarterback. And now the cloud around him is Tom Brady. Hear what Tua had to say about the Dolphins' interest in Tom Brady. I think they were doing that in 2019, but then I came in 2020. So, I I mean, they picked me. So, I, I mean, so... So 2020, it's 2022, 20, I mean, I'm still here, so, yeah, so, I mean, I'm still here. I, to me, that's all noise at this point. <laughs> okay. All right, Tua. Tua, I get it. I don't know if there is a quarterback who has been questioned more in the last few seasons than Tua. Basically, from the rip. I mean, from the moment he got drafted, I don't think Brian Flores ever wanted the Dolphins to draft two, and I think that was one of the biggest fights that they had internally. Was the front office really wanted to and really wanted to invest in a quarterback, and Brian Flores didn't see it. Think to how Tua was used in season one. 
very abnormal with the back and forth with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And whenever Tua would play poorly, Fitzpatrick would come in. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was a better quarterback Tua's rookie season than what Tua was. The Dolphins maybe make the playoffs if they're fully invested in playing Ryan Fitzpatrick that year and not trying to help develop Tua Tagovailoa and get him up to speed. He's always been compared to Justin Herbert. Again, he's not Justin Herbert, will never be Justin Herbert. His team was openly trying to trade for Deshaun Watson. Even in the midst of everything Deshaun Watson has going on, Miami was openly flirting with Deshaun Watson. Ultimately, that deal couldn't come through. And the Dolphins were trying to get Tom Brady. I know his timeline's a little fuzzy. I can help unpack it for you. They were trying this offseason to get Tom Brady to come be the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. This offseason. They were trying to get Sean Payton to be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins this offseason. Like, oh, it was... No. They were having these conversations, my guy. They've been trying to get rid of you from the moment you signed that rookie deal. In some ways, I feel bad for Tua. Because one thing we know about quarterback development, it is so situational. If you get drafted by the Patriots or the Packers or the Niners, you know, a stable organization with good coaching, good front office, good ownership, good foundation. You've got a chance of working out. It's not a guarantee, but you've got a chance of working out. You've been put in a situation where you can have success. Some of you feel like that at your job. Maybe some of you are at the right company. You work for other places, but now you know what? You found the right boss, the right team, the right people around you, and you're having great success at work. Some of you go to work every day hating that job. And you hate that job because you think you work with idiots. You think the people you work with are incompetent. And that environment doesn't make you want to go out and be your best every day at work. Football players aren't any different. They're human beings just like me and you. Tua wakes up every day at a job that doesn't give him the tools and resources or belief he needs to go out there and be successful. There's some teams this year I'm fading, and one team is the Miami Dolphins. I am hammering the under for the Dolphins. You can see this Dolphin season coming a mile away. You guys can't see the week six, week seven fight between Tyreek Hill and management. You guys can't see the frustration boiling up on Tyreek Hill's face as he yells at a first-time head coach when he goes from Andy Reid to Mike McDaniel, when he goes from Patrick Mahomes to Tua Tagovailoa, you can't see the frustration building up on his face. I mean, we have seen the full evolution of a diva wide receiver. I live in Kansas City, and I never heard Tyreek Hill talk until this offseason. He wasn't doing media speaking engagements. He's got a podcast now. He's on TV more than Law & Order SVU. You can see the fight coming from him this season stay away from the Dolphins I'm telling you I'm trying to I'm looking out for you and your best interest some of you are going to lay real legal tender on the Dolphins to hit their over and I'm telling you there are better ways to spend it donate that money to charity because that team is not hitting their over this year I promise you that coming up in just a bit 
we'll be joined by a two-time Super Bowl champion, former NFL defensive back, Brian McFadden, will be on the show here coming up in about 10 minutes. But, but before we catch up with Brian, I want to talk a little bit about the Field of Dreams game tonight between the Cubs and the Reds. And there are 2,430 regular season baseball games. Think of that inventory. 2,430 regular season baseball games. It's not counting the postseason. That's regular season. It's a lot of games. A lot of teams, a lot of travel, a lot of inventory. Baseball's greatest strength is its inventory. Think about the thirst for live sports. Think about the thirst for content right now and the ability to put something on a network. Look at all this inventory that baseball has. Spread across the country from New York to Seattle. From Miami to San Diego. We know we got you for 162 of these. Why is there one attempt to be super creative in baseball? This Field of Dreams game should be a common occurrence. Maybe you only do this idea once a season. Well, there should be a Sandlot game. There should be games played at football stadiums. There should be games played at minor league parks around the country. Baseball's greatest strength is how many games there are. How has baseball not figured out a way to be more creative and repackage the same product? Change the caps from red to blue if you watch The Wire. What makes the Field of Dreams game so special is how unique it is. How it is unlike any of the other 2,429 games. Yankee Stadium is amazing. Fenway is amazing. Wrigley is amazing. There's a lot of phenomenal stadiums. They'll be fine if they only get 78 home games. I assure you. We can't take one series that the Yankees have at home and play near Cooperstown. We can't take three games that the Cubs play and have them play a series somewhere else. There's no room to do that in the baseball season. I liked when hockey started to expand the outdoor series. I think it's a really unique, really cool idea. Another sport has a lot of inventory, 82 regular season games per team. Hey, we can play a game at Wrigley Field. We could play a game at Fenway Park. We could play a game at Notre Dame's. Home stadium. It gets fans excited. It gets the casual fan to want to tune in. Baseball should be in the business of trying to attract the casual. And the Field of Dreams game attracts the casual. Think about how they treat it. The beauty of baseball is that it's every day. That it doesn't matter if you get beat 17-1 to on Tuesday, you got to turn around and play again on Wednesday. That it constantly is moving forward. But there's some days that feel special. Opening day feels special. Memorial Day weekend, 4th of July weekend, the All-Star game. Like there's those flagpole dates in the baseball calendar that should really be highlighted and celebrated. This is one of them that they just created. They took a chance. It worked last year. 
It will work this year. I don't care that the Cubs are 20 games under 500. It's the Cubs. And it's a Thursday night in the summer with no competition. They'll get a good number. And they'll bring it back and they'll keep doing it. Well, let's expand it. Let's have a Sandlot game. Let's have a Bull Durham game. We can't play a series at the stadium where Bull Durham was shot? It just seems like there's a lot of room to be creative and do some really fun things. And baseball can find the creativity in stadium for its promotions. You cheer for a baseball team, you know they got bobbleheads, they got jersey giveaways. The individual teams find ways to be creative. The sport as a whole needs to find a way because with this kind of inventory, you can play around with 50 or 60 games and create some fun environments to give the regular season a little bit of juice. Every week in the summer, they should be doing something cool. Hey, this week, they got the Sandlot game coming up. Hey, this week, they got the Field of Dreams. Hey, this week, we're going to see the Yankees and Red Sox play a game in Durham, North Carolina to celebrate the 50-year anniversary of Bull Durham. There's a lot of really unique ideas that baseball should be presenting to try to keep us entertained over the summer when they should be dominating this time. They should constantly be trying to be in the news cycle over the summer. Because that's better than having the same arguments about Dak Prescott that we've been having for seven years. KD ain't getting traded no time soon. We should be talking about baseball instead. Coming up, we'll be joined by a former NFL defensive back, a two-time Super Bowl champion. He also is with CBS Sports HQ as an NFL analyst. Brian McFadden coming up. But first, let's get you guys an update with with Greg Caserta. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Good morning. You are listening to Writer Than You live on CBS Sports Radio. My name is Carrington Harrison. Very happy to be filling in for Bill as he is off today. Let's take a trip to the phone line to be joined by our first guest of the day. He is a former NFL defensive back, a two-time Super Bowl champion. You can also catch him on CBS Sports HQ. He also is the co-host of the All Things Covered podcast, with Patrick Peterson, Bryant McFadden joins us on the show today. Brian, good morning, man. How's it going? Man, I'm doing pretty good. Thank you, Carrington, for having me on. Absolutely. Let's start with this. Give us your team that you think is flying under the radar. Give us the team that you think the media isn't paying a whole lot of attention to that you think can have a big season. Uh, you know what? Let's, let's, let's take it up to the, the, the old black and blue division, and uh, I'll go with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, when you look at their division, of course, the headliner is the Green Bay Packers. But collectively speaking, in the entire NFC, no one has really given them a legit shot. You know, you see, you hear the same household franchises being spoke about in regards to potentially getting to the Super Bowl. You know, the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Packers, heck, even San Francisco. Uh, but if you look at their personnel on both sides of the football, along with the experience, man, if they stay healthy, uh, I know they have a new head coach in Kevin O'Connell. I mean, the sky could be could be the limit for the Vikings. 
I think when you look at the NFC, you make a really good point. I think there's four kind of cream of the crop teams in the preseason. Green Bay, Tampa Bay, the Rams, and the Niners. And then everybody's sort of looking for, well, who's going to be that team that emerges? Can any team sort of crack that tier one? I'm really high on the Saints. That's kind of my team that I think is flying under the radar. If they can keep Jameis Winston healthy, we'll see what happens with Michael Thomas. But really good offensive skill position players, really good defense, productive quarterback if he's healthy. My team is the Saints, but it's the same concept you're talking about with Minnesota. Outside of those four teams, none of us really know who's good. Yeah, exactly, and I, and I love it when it comes to uh, the narrative in the NFC because, yes, you have the four teams that the consensus would all say that is the top four, but after that, you know, you, I, I agree with you. I like the Saints. You know, and one concern that I have with the Saints is finally seeing an offensive structure without Sean Payton. How will that look? You know, how, will the chemistry be there? Will the efficiency be there? But personnel-wise, especially with Jameis being healthy, a healthy Michael Thomas, you look at adding Jarvis Landry, uh, Chris Olave via draft, and the defense has always been a stout unit over the last three-plus uh, three plus years. That defense has always been a top-level type unit. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. And, 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 of course, they have the best team in the division number in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers just can't beat the Saints for whatever reason in the regular season. Brian, when you played, did you ever have a situation like that? Because you're right. For whatever reason, I can't explain it because the Bucks have been better than the Saints since Brady has taken over. But for whatever reason, they just have their number. Did you ever experience that in your football career? Not as consistent as what we're seeing with the Buccaneers. Like you said, the last two years, the Buccaneers have been a championship-caliber team. Heck, they won a championship in the last two years. But for whatever reason, when they play the Saints, the, play, the Saints take it to a whole other level in New Orleans or in Tampa. And they're very weird, weird to see, especially when you look at Tom Brady and the success he's had against almost every team in the National Football League. But for whatever reason, he tends to struggle against the Saints. Right now we're talking to two-time Super Bowl champion Brian McFadden joining us on the show today. All right, so we talked about a team that you think is flying under the radar. What's a team that you think is overrated this season or a team that you think is going to take a major step back from what they did last season? Wow. Wow. Good question. I think I'm not going to say they're overrated. I think they're rated just where they need to be. But doing what many people think they will do this year, the the expectations, I don't think they will come to fruition, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. I think if the Chiefs, if they're not careful, they could be the third best team in a division. And that is saying a lot. I know people listening to us right now might be like, man, B-Mac, you don't know what you're talking about. And I might not, but that's just my personal opinion. But here's why I feel that way. When you look at that division from top to bottom, let's just start on the defensive side. If you had to rank the Kansas City Chiefs defense, best case scenario, you might put them third. Best case scenario. And I think that has been an Achilles heel for their team, even with all the success they've had, that defense has been the one thing that has kind of slowed them down just a little bit. Then secondly, life without Tyreek Hill. They can say whatever they want to say about the cheetah, but when you have the fastest man in the National Football League on your offense, defenses, defensive coordinators, they have to play you differently. They have to because that man can take over a game by himself. Heck, look at the 13 seconds in the, in the, champion, in the playoff game against the Bills. Tyreek Hill basically took over in those moments of that ball game. But not having Tyreek Hill, you can kind of go get, you can go at them differently than what you were able to do when he was there. So me personally, 
That's the team. I'm not saying they won't be successful. I'm not saying they won't be a playoff caliber team. I think they'll make the playoffs. But I think that's the team, when you look at the expectations, they might not be able to reach that line. Brian, as a corner, as a DB in the league, who was that guy that gave you fits? You mentioned Tyreek Hill, and we certainly have seen Tyreek Hill give cornerbacks some hell over these last few years in Kansas City. Who was that guy that just you always had good competition with, good battles going up against? I mean, every guy I played against, man, in that era, they were straight dogs. Steve Smith Sr., you know, Chad. Uh, you, you got Marvin, you got Reggie, you got Keo, you got Moss. But one guy that I still have nightmares about is freaking Jimmy Smith from Jacksonville. I caught Jimmy Smith at the end of his career. And if I caught him at the end, I don't want to see what he was like. I wouldn't want to see what he was like in his prime years. Jimmy Smith was a straight dog. The best comparison I can give you of who Jimmy Smith was when he played, when I played against him, is Jamar Chase. The similarities are there for me. Very, very strong wide receivers can create separation, outstanding, reliable hands, a, an enormous catch radius for guys who are not six three, six four, and just big-time playmakers. Jimmy Smith, in my opinion, I understand he has some issues off the football field, but he was a Hall of Fame talent. Brian, I want to get back to what you said about Kansas City and the division. And it's hard for me to pick against a team that's won that division six years in a row. At some point, the other teams have to prove it to me. Mahomes is sitting at 21-3 and in that division, never lost a road game. I know none of that matters moving forward. But when you've been that good in the division, it's kind of hard to completely write it off. If you don't have Kansas City or think that they could potentially lose the division, which one of the other three teams in the AFC West do you really like this year? The Chargers, the Chargers, the Chargers. I mean, it's time. If Justin Herbert is the guy that many people believe he is, this is his time to state claim on that division. I'm high on the Chargers because of their quarterback. I'm high on the Chargers because of their offensive structure, the personnel. But I am extremely high on the Chargers because of their additions on the defensive side. If those newcomers can live up to the billing, they're going to be outstanding. Defense win championships. I understand it's cliche, but it's real. At some point in time, your defense will have to step up and make plays, especially in January football. And those two edge rushers they got in Mack and Bosa, pick your poison. Add in J.C. Jackson, one of the best ball-hawking corners over the last four years. This man, this man got 29 picks in four years. That's not by accident. And he wasn't a four-year starter. Think about that. Adding a healthy Derwin James, Asante Samuel Jr., on all three levels defensively, that unit could be a dominating presence for their defense. So me first for their team. So that's the team that I'm, I'm highlighting, I'm circling to have a huge year, the Chargers. Brian, I want to talk a little bit about your career. And you went to Florida State, were drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. What was more nerve-wracking for you? Was it your first game at Florida State or was it, or was it your first game with, with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Mm. First game Florida State because it was a real game. The first game with Pittsburgh was a preseason game. So, yes, it was nerve-wracking because I finally got to that level to play uh, in the NFL, but it was a preseason game. You know what I mean? So, Florida State playing in my first real game when it was for real, it, it meant something record-wise. And, of course, you know, moving forward, I think I'll go that direction. And, you know, first preseason game, granted, I was extremely nervous in the first preseason game because I'm like, yo, I'm finally here. I was, always, that was my childhood dream, making it to the NFL. So being able to do that and accomplish it, I'm like, yo, I'm finally here, but don't screw it up. But 
It was a preseason game. No, and that makes a lot of sense. I'm just thinking of, you know, the the history and the tradition at Florida State and you hop on the field and normally, you know, you guys week one would always play some big time opponent. It'd be that Labor Day weekend. You know, everything's kind of going there. There was always a lot happening with Florida State whenever you were there. Oh yeah, back 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 in those days, Bobby wanted to play the who's of who. Didn't care any any given time, whoever we go to you, we we'll come to you. You come to us. Bobby wanted action. He was looking for smoke. He was looking for all the smoke back when folks wasn't really looking for smoke. And that's who he was as a coach. And we and we and we we, we love that about him. We we want to play whoever. You know, some powerhouse powerhouses in college football want to wait to week three, week four, to play against a, a top rank. Nah, back in those days, we start off, let's, let, let, let's get Miami week one. That's what we started to do towards the end of my collegiate career. We're going to start off with Miami. And, and we loved it as players. We were looking for it. From someone who played in some of the most intense rivalries, I mean, you played, in, you played for the Steelers. You guys had some battles against the Patriots. You guys had some battles against the Ravens. Where do you rank Florida State-Miami in terms of intensity in games you've had the chance to play in? Oh, back in those days, man, that you're talking about the who's of who. So during my, my during my tenure at Florida State, the Miami guys we played against, all right, Kellen Winslow Jr., Vince Woolfolk, Andre, Andre Johnson, Roscoe Parrish, uh, Dorsey, McGahee, Portis, Gore, Roll. Reed, the late great Sean Taylor, Jennings, Vilma, DJ Williams. Uh, I mean, that's just off the top of my head. That's just off the top of my head. And then you talk about some of the guys we had. I mean, it was star after star. Uh, I was looking at a, uh, it was the 2002 game a few weeks ago. I mean, half. Our entire rosters from both sides made it to the NFL. And we had some guys who didn't even play, who weren't playing yet, that eventually got to the NFL as well. So back in those days, those rivalries meant something. Those were, we, we call those money games because if you want to solidify yourself as a potential you know, draft pick, you ball out against Miami. And I'm pretty sure they had the same mindset playing against Florida State. And that is Brian McFadden joining us on the show today. Former NFL defensive back, two-time Super Bowl champion. You can catch his work on CBS Sports HQ. He also is the co-host of the All Things Covered podcast with Patrick Peterson. Brian, man, really good talking to you, man. Thanks a lot for hopping on with us this morning. Anytime. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. That's Brian McFadden joining us on the show today. I was just thinking back as he was rattling off some of those names and thinking back to his time at Florida State. So He was at Florida State in the early 2000s. I know this guy didn't play during this time, but you know how we just, you know, if you're a sports fan, you can just go back and you can just think of, you know, random football players. I love Peter Warwick. Peter Warwick is one of my five favorite college football players of all time. I would ask Brian some some questions about him, get some stories about Peter Warwick, but he didn't play the same time that he played. But Peter Warwick was my Reggie Bush before Reggie Bush. Like, I loved Reggie Bush, didn't we all, back when Reggie Bush was at his absolute peak at USC, but, God, Peter Warwick was so good. If he hadn't stole those clothes from Dillard's, he'd have won the Heisman Trophy. He was the best player in college football in 1999, and I'm not going to let anybody argue it. Ron, they gave it to Ron Dane. That's That's when the Heisman was whack. Ron Dane won the Heisman Trophy. Ron Dane would never win the Heisman now. Never. 
just wasn't exciting enough to win the Heisman Trophy. He didn't really do anything to get you, ooh, ah. Just weren't really excited. Telling you, man, Peter Ward, if he hadn't gotten in trouble for stealing those clothes at Dillard's, which I don't know if he was technically stealing them, but he didn't won the Heisman Trophy, man. I hope Peter Wark is having an amazing day. But no, that was Brian McFadden. He went to Florida State, also played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, has two rings, not just one, has two rings. Really good to get a chance to catch up with him and relive some of those old stories between Florida State and Miami. I hate when we say college football is better when fill-in-the-blank is good. College football is the same. It's we'll, we'll find something to replace Notre Dame, I assure you. But college football was better when all the Florida teams were really good. When Spurrier had that program at tip-top shape down in Florida, when Bobby Bowden had Florida State going, when Miami was good, and you would get those three schools playing against each other, the athleticism, the intensity, the competition of it. College football was better when those three schools were going. Coming up, Tom Brady is missing training camp. We'll try to figure out why. And what's going on with the Nets? Keep it right here, CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 